Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Day Beautiful podcast feed. My name is Adam. I am the founder of Day Beautiful, the website and podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out Day Beautiful on daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And welcome to yet another First Taste reading series where I invite an author to read five minutes from their work to kickstart your week off with great literature and put you in a really good mood. Today's guest was born in Dublin, Ireland and now lives in Melbourne, Australia. She is the creator and leader of the Story Skills Workshop, a program that has taught thousands of people to harness the power of their everyday stories. Her debut novel, The Making of Her, is out now. Please welcome Bernadette Jiwa. Hey Bernadette, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for inviting me, Adam. I'm excited. I love your podcast. I love okay. hearing from you authors. Thank you so much. Before we jump into your your novel, you have written and are um, someone who has. So let me say that over. Before we jump into your novel, you have written numerous books about storytelling and craft, um, and now you're jumping into the novel world. What what was that like for you to kind of switch gears? Uh, all consuming, I have to say. <laughs> I had to drop all my nonfiction work. Mm -hmm. You know, for I didn't start writing until I was in my mid forties. It was mm. never on the cards for me. I wow. never knew I could write. And then when I started uh, blogging, I suddenly realized that, that people, some of the ideas that I was speaking about, were resonating with people. And on the back of that, I wrote. I think nine nonfiction titles. And then when I decided to start writing fiction, when this story just wouldn't let me go, it grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and wouldn't let me go. I just had to stop blogging and stop reading nonfiction and give mm -hmm. myself to it completely. Yeah. And your, your debut novel, The Making of Her is out now. Tell readers a little bit about it. So this is a mother-daughter love story, and it's set across three decades in Dublin, Ireland, which is the place where I was born. I don't live there anymore. I haven't lived there for 34 years, but I just love Dublin. Um, it's a place that's very close to my heart. Obviously, my parents are still there. The novel is starts in the 1960s, and we meet Joan Egan and She's a young girl growing up in working class Dublin who happens to fall in love with somebody and get pregnant outside of marriage. And that's a disaster for her, for any woman in that day and age in Ireland, where reproductive freedoms are not what they are today. So she gives birth to her daughter and places the daughter for adoption and uh, in England, returns to Ireland and marries her partner, Martin. And the story really follows uh, the fallout for Joan, the personal fallout for her uh, and her family. And then she's reunited with her daughter by uh, her daughter sends her a letter, essentially, mm -hmm. 30 years hence, asking for a favor. So it's a story about family secrets, but it's at its heart. It's a mother daughter love story. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I can't wait to hear you read from it. What portion of the book are you going to be reading today? I'm reading quite late on in the book because the book uh, alternates from mm -hmm. uh, into, from past, present and three um, points of view. And I'm reading from chapter 34, a section where uh, Joan's working class family are going to meet her uh, mother-in-law, her future mother-in-law, who is not 
from the same class as her. And I had some fun writing this. There's some it, it sounds the story sounds a little bit dark in places and a little bit heavy, but actually it's it's quite fun. And this passage I want to read says a lot about Ireland, a lot about how people about society. Mm-hmm. It's a society story. Awesome. Well take it away. Thanks, Adam. Dar couldn't shut up about his eldest daughter's engagement to the Egan lad. Did you hear about our Joan? He asked anyone and everyone who'd give him the time of day. Want to start again? I think there was a noise there. Dar couldn't shut up about his eldest daughter's engagement to the Egan lad. Did you hear about our Joan? He asked anyone and everyone who'd give him the time of day who would be retelling this story around the streets of the estate and the pumps at O'Grady's for weeks to come. It was the miserable morning and the rain looked as if it was down for the day. Joan stood next to the window, holding the jacket of her father's funeral suit up to the light. Her stomach was in knots. Today was the day she would introduce her family to Molly Egan up at the big house on Grove Square. And she hadn't dreaded anything more in a long while. Da and Teresa were ready, getting ready upstairs. She inspected the jacket, brushing flakes of dandruff off the collar. She heard Teresa taking the stairs down two at a time, which was good. It meant that she wasn't wearing a mini or heels. She turned to look at her as she entered the room. Well, I do, Teresa said, twirling in front of her. Joan was relieved to see her dressed in a striped polo neck and the only below knee skirt she possessed. Perfect, Joan said with a grateful smile. She knew Teresa wasn't looking forward to this morning either. You don't look so bad yourself, Teresa said. Joan had dressed in a wide-collared white cotton blouse and a navy corduroy skirt. Her hair was knotted at the nape of her neck in a neat bun. She looked like she was going for a job interview. Thanks, T. Da came into the room behind them in his stocking feet and a square small square of toilet paper was stuck to his chin where he cut himself shaving. Where's my shoes, he said. On the hearth, Joan replied. I gave them a polish for you and here's your jacket. She held it out to him and he shrugged into it, pulling at the ends of the sleeves. Right, we'd better get going as soon as I have my shoes on, he said, picking the tissue off his chin. Looks like we'll need our coats and brollies too, Teresa said, glancing outside. Another glorious summer's day in Dublin. They stepped outside into the drizzle, Joan and Teresa sharing one umbrella and linking arms as they walked. Da followed behind. I hope Martin has that thing insured, Teresa said, pointing to Joan's engagement ring. Trust you, Joan said, laughing. I'm bloody serious, Teresa said. You mind yourself walking around here with that knuckle duster on your finger. You're right. I probably won't wear it much after the wedding, wedding, though, Joan said. Best to keep it up for special occasions. They bumped into Mrs. Hanlon from next door at the corner of Ashleaf Road. There you are, Joan. Congratulations. I heard the news. Thanks, Mrs. Hanlon. Give us a look at your ring, she said. Joan held out her left hand. Jesus, you'd knock your bleeding eye out with that thing. Joan smiled politely once more. It was hard to know what to say. You've landed on your feet and no mistake. I'm delighted for you. Thanks, Mrs. Hanlon. If only your mother could be here to see it, Lord have mercy on her soul. Joan gripped the umbrella in her right hand tighter. Da cleared his throat. 
We'd better get a move on, girls. We don't want to keep Mrs. Egan waiting. I'm sure we'll see you before the big day, Mrs. Hanlon said. You will, Joan replied. Bye, Mrs. Hanlon. When they reached the heavy wrought iron gates leading up to Martin's house, Dad gave a low whistle. Teresa dropped Joan's arm as they began walking up the path that divided the garden neatly in two. Jesus, Joan, was all she could think to say as she admired the handsome rose beds that lined the sweep of the lawn to the left and to the right. Joan thought she saw the twitch of a curtain at the wide bay window. Of course, Molly Egan would be up there looking down on them. Can I get a drink, Mr. Quinn, Molly said when they were all seated in the parlour. Da smacked his lips together and Joan shot him a look. A cup of tea would be grand, he said, sticking a finger down the starch collar of his shirt. Teresa sat opposite Joan at the other end of the chintz sofa, balancing the china cup and saucer awkwardly on her knees. Joan kept her eyes on the delicate rose pattern winding its way around the gilded rim of her saucer, wishing the morning was over. Martin touched her shoulder as he passed. Would you like a bit of Dundee cake, Mr. Quinn, he asked, holding out the plate to Da. She knew by his careful movements that Martin was nervous too, and she felt sorry for him as she did for herself. Of course, it's all a bit sudden to arrange a proper wedding, Molly sniffed as she sipped her tea. You know what they say, marry in haste. She trailed off, leaving her spiteful sentence suspended in midair. Teresa gave Joan a sideways look. I still don't understand why the rush, Molly continued, looking pointedly at Joan's belly. Martin glared at her. Joan was proud that he stood his ground, even if it was in his own way. She knew this was not the first time he had been quizzed about their courtship or the suddenness of their marriage. It was clear that Molly suspected Joan had pursued her reluctant son, and she didn't believe Martin would marry her unless he had to. I suppose we'll have to make do, Molly sniped. Joan didn't think she was talking just about the wedding arrangements. Her words lingered in the awkward silence. Our Joan is a great girl for making do, Da began, his mouth still half full of chewed fruitcake. She's been managing the house since her mummy died, Lord rest her soul. That's just it, Mr. Quinn. We're not used to making do around here. Molly said, her face arranged in a tortured expression. It's all going to take some getting used to, she sighed. More tea, anyone? No, thank you, Teresa said in a quick tone, covering the cup with her hand as Molly approached, wielding the china teapot. I've had more than enough already. The only sound was the loud tick of the polished walnut clock on the mantel. Joan took a sip of her lukewarm tea and looked out the window at the rain lashing the lawn beyond. It was indeed a miserable day. Thank you so much for reading that. Um, you, you mentioned this is a love story between mothers and daughters, but I felt it's also like a love letter to Dublin where you grew up. Um, what was it like, liter like, what was it like returning to Dublin after all those years in a sense? It's interesting you ask that question. I had to return to Dublin yeah. for a month to plant myself back there while I was wow. writing. Yeah. I, I obviously talked to my parents who still live there. They're in their 80s all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I've i visited many times over the years, even though I live in Australia. It's a, it's a long flight. You know, it's 24 hours it will mm. take me to get there. Wow. 
And I I literally had to plant myself back in the place for, for a month and while I was writing the book and immerse myself in the place. Yeah. So it, it was it was a beautiful um homecoming. It was a homecoming. And and that's what I feel the novel is too. It's a homecoming and it's also a love letter to my parents, I think. Oh wow. Did you do a bulk of your writing while you're actually in Ireland? I did. I started and I started writing beforehand, but I, I really felt like I wanted to do a, a you know, a, a Dublin sensitivity check. I even had a, an editor, an Irish editor, do a sensitivity read before mm. um, before I had an agent, just to make sure, just to make sure I wasn't making any faux pas. I want to thank Bernadette for joining the First Taste Reading Podcast to read from the making of her, her debut novel. You can find her at BernadetteGiwa.com, BernadetteGiwa on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find DayBeautiful at DayBeautiful.net and at DayBeautiful on all social media. As always, I'm Adam. This is DayBeautiful. And you're all beautiful. Beautiful.